Let's open today's podcast with some industry platitudes. Salespeople are completely coin-operated. Customers trust their service contacts way more than they trust their sales contacts. And if service employees own commercials, they lose the trust of the customer. Changing customer engagement models are putting pressure on these platitudes, but these changing models are also creating new ethical dilemmas for service employees. I am Tom Slaw, the Executive Director of the Technology and Services Industry Association. Welcome to Tectonic, the podcast where we explore what makes technology business models successful in today's world. And in this episode, I will be joined by Stephen Fulkerson, who leads our customer success research practice at TSIA. And we will be discussing the emerging ethical dilemmas that can face customer success employees that now have commercial responsibilities. And for those listeners not familiar with TSIA, we are a for-profit research institute. We track the financial performance of the largest publicly traded technology providers on the planet. More importantly, we perform deep operational benchmarking with the technology companies that are on the TS platform. It is that data that informs the insights you will hear in this series. So let's get right into it. Stephen, welcome back to Tectonic. Congratulations, you are the first repeat guest that we have. And so can you uh, remind our audience what you actually do for a living? Hey, Thomas. Thank you for having me back. It is a real honor and a pleasure to be invited back to Tectonic. So thank you for having me. But as for me, I lead the TSA Customer Success Research Practice. I'm the Vice President of Research and Advisory. And when I'm not doing that, additionally, I am a cryptologic warfare officer in the United States Navy Reserve. Well, that sounds like a super easy job, that second one. So it's, it's good that uh, you have some downtime where you can just uh, relax and work on easy things. Um, so the reason that I brought you back to Tectonic here is I read this blog that you wrote about the ethical dilemmas that customer success managers can face. And I thought it was really well written. And, you know, I got to be honest with you, it's a topic I have never really thought about. Uh, and But before we click into it, can you explain to our listeners why you are uniquely qualified to analyze these ethical dilemmas. Yeah, absolutely, Thomas. So ethics has always really fascinated me. And while I was attending the U.S. Naval War College, I was working on my second master's degree. I was one of 14 officers that were selected out of 55 candidates to earn a master's certificate in ethics and emerging military technologies. And I was one of seven from those 14 to actually graduate from this program. And my thesis was really focused and, and it was published by the Defense Technical Information Center, as well as the U.S. Naval Wargaming Department's virtual e-learning site. But my focus was really to look at the ethical dilemmas of weaponizing commercial cyber technologies for military purposes. So I decided to bring the same critical eye to our practice here at TSIA and just look at customer success and all the ethical dilemmas that we're seeing. And because that I, I, I spend time talking to 150 plus members in customer success and executives, these conversations come up. So I thought it was time to put that uh, education and training to use here at TSIA. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fantastic. And again, I just think you have a really unique lens on this whole topic. And, you know, the catalyst here is so many of these ethical dilemmas now facing customer success managers are being created by the fact 
and, and we know this is a fact, right? The more CS organizations now have commercial responsibilities. And let's start, talk about that trend. Well, it's really changing. Uh, if you take a look at the customer success, state of customer success 2022 research paper I put out, we're really tracking these charters and the, the change that's taking place. So when we take a look at the, the charters of adoption, they stay you know really firm at 88%. That's the home of customer success. 78% are focused on the uh, retention charters, but we've seen this giant shift uh, from the expansion charter to 61%. And what's really fascinating is that when we started tracking this back in 2015, that was about 10% of the charters. So in a very short period of time, that charter has moved from 10% to 61%. And that really puts customer success in a different area of engagement with their customers, uh, more so than just focused on adoption. Now they're really focused on the commercial charters of expansion and retention. And CS organizations can have multiple charters, right? I think what you're saying is, so maybe historically CS would be just focused on adoption. That would be their only charter, just worry about that. And then it becomes, hey, adoption is important, but hey, we also want you to care about renewing the customer. Oh, now we also want you to care about helping to grow this customer. Is that a fair summary of what That's you're saying? That's exactly right. And then there can be confusion uh, amongst the teams because we have this charter of adoption, which really is focused on making sure the customer is getting value, value realizations achieved. But now this, the status that customer success has always had is trusted advisor. And some organizations have issues with it, but obviously the, the numbers speak volumes, right? 61% have the charter of expansion. So now they're saying, hey, because you're uniquely positioned as a trusted advisor, let's take advantage of that situation and have you helping us with whether it's lead generation, upsell and cross-sell opportunities. Uh, and, and with that, there can come some ethical dilemmas, and we'll talk about some of that today. Yeah, I was going to say, so that that is the springboard, right, to create some of these these challenges for, for the CSMs out there. And, and, and again, I, ho I, I really hope that, that um, the younger CSMs in the audience listen to this because they may have less experience navigating this shift in charter, maybe the first time ever, right, that they now have commercial um, responsibilities. And, and I want to take these emerging ethical challenges one by one, uh, starting with the one that you call radio silence renewals. What's the challenge there for the CSM? Yeah, let's let's kind of set up the situation and what we're seeing and what we experience when we're talking to our executives weekly. So what is happening here is some organizations, they have contract clauses that say, if you're going to depart business and not do business with, with us any longer, there's, there's a 30-day clause that has to be exercised, meaning you have to submit a written notice saying that you intend not to renew 30 days prior to your renewal date. Otherwise, an automatic renewal will kick in. So what we're hearing about and seeing in the industry is that some organizations have challenged accounts. And with these challenge accounts, they know that they may not have eliminated the challenges with their technology services or offerings with this, with this customer. So as the renewal is getting closer to that 30 days automatic contract renewal clause, they're asking their CSMs to basically go radio silent, stop talking with the member in hopes mm. that they're not aware that the renewal clause is gonna kick in. And oh my gosh, all of yeah. a sudden the CSMs are going radio silent and they're not engaging unless it's in the best interest of them and their company. Otherwise they're going quiet and they're hoping that that re automatic renewal clause will kick in. That's the situation, but here's the ethical dilemma. So this is where we have competing values that will really come into play. 
So the customer success managers are supposed to take care of their customers and their accounts. And in this scenario, there's really competing values and there's competing ethical dilemmas going on. And the first is what is called deontology, and that's the ethics of duty. So for the CSM, they feel obligated to show duty and loyalty to their company because their company has asked them, go radio silent. Let's just let the auto renewal kick in. But then they have this other competing principle, which is they are drawn to take care of their customer. And that's the ethics of the greater good, which is called utilitarianism. Mm -hmm. So now they want to help this customer, but they're also wanting to help their company. And these two conflicting principles will come into uh, a combative situation and it puts the CSM in a very difficult situation because in one end they want to take care of their, their customer and the other end they want to take care of their company and they're just caught in this dilemma and it, it can be difficult for them at times. So, you know, as I listen to you, you know, what's interesting about that is I have two observations. Number one, I mean, these CSMs typically work very, very hard to become a trusted advisor to the customer, right? They're working with them, right. you know, to really make sure they're successful and understand their business. And then if you do something like this, right, hey, I, you know, I go silent intentionally, you know, d during this renewal, um, you're breaking that trust. And then how do you rebuild that afterwards, right? So that's a challenge for the CSM in their role. And then also it's short-sighted on, uh, you know, from the perspective of the company, right? Because, okay, great, you, you got that renewal today. But if you shattered the trust with the customer, right, they're saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, this stuff's not even working for me and you auto-renewed me, what's the chance of that customer really wanting to stay with you and grow with you, right? So, so there's like two losses there in, in, in this behavior. And, I, and I'm curious, you know, do you have any coaching for a CSM if they're in this scenario, right? My company's asking me to just not talk to the customer, let this thing go through. Um, I, you know, I don't feel good about it. I'm not sure it's the right strategy. What would you recommend if a, if a C, CSM was experiencing this scenario? Yeah, this is, this is a situation where we would coach the CSMs to go back to their management team because the management team may also be getting the same direction from the higher level executives above them. So that guidance and direction may be coming from very high levels. And they may not be aware of the competing values that they're asking their team to, to be put in. So in this situation, we typically mm -hmm. remind them, hey, this is something you want to go back to your executive management team and go, hey, look, I'm at a risk for losing the trust that I've established with my account. Now, sure, we're under no legal obligation to inform our customers that a renewal is coming. But I've developed such a, a rapport with them that they would be shocked if I didn't remind them. Because this is a normal conversation yeah. with renewal specialists or with customer success managers. This is a conversation that happens. Your renewal's coming up. Wanted to make you aware of it. Is there anything that's going to thwart this from happening? Well, in this situation, when they're tactical and technical, there's a lot of things that could thwart that renewal. And that's leverage the customer wants uh, for those conversations. Yeah. But when the company goes radio silent, the customer loses that leverage. Um, so this tactic, while I, I get why companies do it, it's not it's not a tactic that's for creating a long term customer for life situation, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's definitely one that yeah. you know is designed for short term profits, and you know short term profits do not equal long term customers or customers for life. So organizations really need to rethink this, and if they're not aware of it, because some executives are not aware they're putting their CSMs in this position, that's what the CSMs have to do. They have to raise the flag and go, hey, this doesn't quite feel right. 
Yeah, and, and and let's be clear. I mean, we are fans of auto renewal, right? I mean, that's something we recommend companies do to basically reduce friction, make it easy for your customer, you know, to stay on the platform. Don't make them jump through a lot of hoops if they don't have to. So it's not that we're saying auto renewal is a bad practice. That's not what we're saying. This is a very specific scenario when you have a problematic customer who is struggling, and then you 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 know by design go quiet to try to get that thing through, which to your point is going to help you in the short term, but is absolutely you know not going to help you in the long term. And so I think you know a couple of things I hear there is that for the CSMs, go talk to your manager, and if the and if the management strategy is like, hey, don't worry about it, it's all about the short term profits, then as a CSM you have to really question the long-term viability of that company because to your point you can win in the short term you know it is not the winning strategy in the long term in terms of keeping customers on your platform growing you're right thomas and it really begs the question of the organization are we a sales driven organization are we a customer centric organization or are we a product driven organization and if you're getting put in this situation and it's sales driven and your company thinks they're customer centric or customer focused or customer driven then you can call that and go, we're really not aligned to what we're preaching here and we need to reevaluate ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that's a great that's a great point. I mean, you know, the old saying, speak truth to power, right? It's like, you know, so many companies like to say they're customer centric and we're all, you know, organized around the customer and the customer is what counts. And if they have, you know, a, an approach like this in play, that's, you know, completely, you know, in, in conflict with that. So, well, that, so that was a good one to open up with. So let's keep going. The second ethical dilemma that you talk about is created uh, to help customer success managers uh, with renewals. Uh, when, when the company plays something that you, you like to call the shame game with the customer. So tell us about this challenge. Yeah, this one's kind of interesting. We had heard about this one for quite some time in some of our inquiries, because uh, some of the product managers or customer success managers would ask if we're seeing this. We had heard about it, but we hadn't seen it until it actually happened to us here at TSIA. So what's going on here, Thomas, is really interesting. So uh, companies probably within their uh, product management teams, they're creating alerts to help with the renewal process. And these alerts are designed to flash and say, hey, look, your renewal is coming up um, or your renewal is late or your invoices haven't been received. Um, But it, it it can come up at the wrong time or in the wrong way. So we're calling this one into question because it actually happened to us at TSI. So we have an enterprise platform. And on this enterprise platform, one day, a banner popped up on everybody's screen. And it basically read, hey, you have passed two invoices, which for us was pretty surprising. And you say everybody's... When you say everybody's screen, like all the employees, it, it was just a broadcast for anybody using the software. You're exactly right. Anybody that had the license to this application within TSI that logged into it at that particular time of day, anybody that logged in saw this banner. So it wow. was basically, uh, it wasn't role specific and it wasn't user specific. It was just an enterprise banner put at the top of a browser for an enterprise solution that we were using. And everybody got this message. So you can imagine what this did within our company. Uh, we started notifying the management team that had responsibility for this application only to find out that he had already been in contact with the technology provider and they had admitted this was a technology glitch. We had paid all of our bills, nothing was passed due, nothing was late, but it created a lot of internal uh, turmoil within our organization. Time and money were spent to try to track this down. A lot of internal communications, time away from work. So we looked at this and we're like, this is a problem. There's two competing dilemmas here. Mm-hmm. Again, the ethical dilemma we have one with is the ethics of virtue. So the team at this 
provider, technology provider, they thought that they were doing something virtuous that was good, that was good for their company. But the, it fell short of the ethics of the greater good, utilitarianism, right? What was, was it good for us as a customer? And in this situation, it was not good for us. So as mm -hmm. technology providers uh, are looking at how can we improve our our timeliness of our renewals how can we improve communicating to the customer your past due this would not necessarily be one that we would recommend basically from personal experience because we spent a lot of time uh, not being productive trying to run this to ground only to find out that it was a technology glitch yeah so, so what i hear there i mean the, the practice of putting a banner out on you know everybody to everybody that logs in if you feel a customer is past past due on a renewal um is not a winning strategy in general, right? I mean, because it's just going to cause a lot of consternation on the customer side. Uh, it may be accurate. In our case, it was not accurate, which creates even you know more frustration with the customer. And that practice is going to put your CSM in a really tough position, right? Because that goes out there. You're, you're basically you know ticking the customer off. It's very broad based across the whole company, and then the CSM has to pick that relationship up after. This has happened, so I, I think that that sounds like you know a, a losing practice all the way around. You're exactly right, Thomas, and and in this case, it probably could have been handled differently. So if the leader, the CX leader, that thought that this was a great idea, had targeted that message to go to maybe one of three people, right? The business owner, the executive yeah. sponsor, or the technical owner, or the CFO. If it would have went to one of those four and nobody else in the company saw it, that's a different situation. But when it's broadcast to an enterprise application that anybody that's using that system and the company sees that, that's not a, a winning, uh, that's not a winning method in my in my book. And in this case, you know, it's just that it goes back to that ethics of virtue. That CS executive that thought that this was a great idea was it a good idea for the customer, or is it a good idea for their company? So that's the deontology, the ethics of duty, that they were trying to adhere to. But it really wasn't a great experience for us as a customer. And if you create a very terrible, and in our case, this was a terrible customer experience, your customer's probably not going to want to stay with you after that. So I, I just encourage and I recommend executives and organizations that believe their customer focus, you have to really look at some of these things that you're going to institute and ask the question, is this good for our customer or is this good just for us? Because if it's not good for the customer, mm -hmm. you have to really give it a second thought. Yeah, no, I think that's great. That, that's fantastic guidance. And, and I want to get into this third ethical challenge. And this one really is being created by the fact that uh, customer success managers now, more and more of them, a majority of them have this expansion charter. And this is where the customer success manager is incented to oversell capabilities to their customers. Walk us through this one. Yeah, this one is is probably one that's, you know, from the ages, you know, from sales to now it's over in customer success, but it falls right back <laughs> yeah, in line yeah. with the charters, right? The 61% of our uh, organizations are now focused on expansion opportunities. And with that, the CSMs are being pushed, you know, sell, 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 and upsell, cross-sell. And and as a result, they're, they're putting, uh, organizations that are asking this of their CSMs are putting them in a position uh, that conflicts with these guiding principles that we've talked about. So as we think about this ethics of the greater good, right, they're trying, CSMs and uh, sales reps that are working with customer success, they're really trying to focus on what am I doing to help the customer? 
And when they're being pushed to sell a situation to a customer where they may need, they sell them more licenses or they sell them more products that they don't need, this puts the customer in a situation because they're going to figure out very quickly. I hear this all the time. What do we do? Uh, how much downsell is too much or not enough? Or how many customers are dealing with downsell? And downsell typically comes from this situation where you're going to have to remove revenue that was previously sold because the customer didn't get value. And when organizations are looking at downsell, that's a you really have to stop and go, what are we doing wrong? Because we're having to give money back to a customer that's still getting some value from us. And mm -hmm. so in this situation, you've got a situation where the customer success managers are you know, selling something that they know may not be needed by the customer, but they're being told by their company to do it. So it's this battle of, um, you know, not only the battle of uh, virtue, ethics of virtue, but also the greater good utilitarianism, deontology, the ethics of, uh, of duty. So they're going, I'm trying to take care of my company and do what's being asked, but I'm also conflicted because I know the customer doesn't need this. So when we go back to that trusted advisor situation that we were talking about earlier, this puts that in jeopardy. And I've heard executives say, hey, we're trusted advisors. We don't want to do the, the expansion because it, it risks you know, uh, the relationship that we share. But I'm telling you, 61% are doing it because they're uniquely positioned. You just have to make sure that you don't lose that trusted advisor status by doing things that could be ethically challenged. Um, not only from a company perspective, but an employee perspective, because we're also talking about human beings here that have ethics and guiding principles, and they may not want to do some of these things being asked. You know, when I listen to you, I, I think of an example that I think everyone who's listening can relate to, and this has to do with taking your car in to get serviced. And so I have um, a, a, a vehicle, my wife's vehicle, that I take into the dealership and to get serviced and the, you know i think everybody has this experience these these larger dealerships their service departments have really become sales departments and when you go in there they're gonna basically tell you you need everything right oh my gosh this needs fixed and that needs oh you better oh this is about to go and you just know when you go in there right that they really don't have your best interest in 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 mind it's really they're trying to maximize the revenue from you from that experience and, and so you don't trust them, right? You don't trust them. At the same time, I have a vehicle, I have this old Jeep Wrangler that I take into a local garage right around the corner. I've been going to this gentleman for, you know, for 20 years. And whenever I have any kind of problem, I take it in and he gives me the real deal. And he'll tell me, he'll look at something and say, you know what, you know, I would just let that go for another six months. It's not a big deal. It's, you know, I would wait. You get some more wear, but then bring it back in. He's been doing that for 20 years. I completely trust him. They're both service professionals, right? They're both providing the same service, which is service a vehicle, but they have two completely different approaches and philosophies, which creates completely different trust levels. And, and, and I think that's exactly what we're talking about here for these CSMs. You do not want to be the CSM who when the person comes in, they're cringing because they know you're just going to say, oh, you need this, you need that, and oh my gosh, you need five of these. And you, and you have, you know, as a customer, you just don't trust what that CSM is, is telling you. That's not the square you want to be on with this role. That's exactly right. So, so those are the, the top three challenges that you talked about in this, in this great blog. But you were telling me that there are some additional challenges you're seeing. 
And can you just, you know, give the audience some, some, you know, overview of some of those challenges? Absolutely. Yeah. The next one is what I call brutal honesty. Now, this one is so popular that we're going to do a dedicated blog. So Darlene Kelly, who's our senior manager of research at uh, TSI for customer success, she's teaming up with one of our um, one of our partners, Method Garage. And Method Garage was telling us about this. We had been seeing this in the marketplace um, and they were saying, hey, look, this is a challenge where we have uh, customers that are uh, they're trying to implement a technology and the, the customer that they're working with doesn't have the skill set to really help them and work with them. What do we do? And we started seeing this in conversations with our executives. They were like, hey, from an onboarding perspective, once we've determined that the customer we're working with doesn't have the skills and experience to help with uh, bringing our product and offering on board, what are we supposed to do? And this is another you know, ethical dilemma, right? Because as customer success managers, everybody, they want to help customers and they want to love on them and take care of them and make sure they have a great experience. But when there's incompetence, and I don't use that as, a, as an insult, it's just a level of understanding or a level of technical skills that's not there from the customer. Mm-hmm. And the, the onboarding team can't get them to move the needle. That becomes a, a problem. And the question typically that will come into us is, what do we do? And we just talk about it because there's the ethics of the greatest good, right? Which is taking care of the customer. And then there's this conflict of the ethics of virtue, right? What am I doing that's virtuous? What am I doing that is, you know, of the of the right way? And is it right for me to go to a customer and complain about their their onboarding team or their team that's working with us? And there, we basically say, hey, look, you, you got to start with honesty, and it has to be delivered with couth, right? It's the highest form of respect is honesty. So show respect to your customers by being really honest with them and, and just say, hey, look. Um, we don't think we're going to get the highest level of achievement with how we're moving forward and probably worry less about the team that you're asking to be replaced. Uh, worry less about them, you know, getting in administrative trouble or losing their jobs because that's re- any company that is implementing and spending a lot of money, they want to know that they have the right team in place. And if they don't, they want to know that. So just go forward and say, hey, look, we're, we're probably going to need to talk about this because you may not get the, the right level of success. And the blog that Darlene and Method Garage are looking at are, are talking just about that, that it's, it takes a little bit of time and communication. But if we're looking at the interest of the customer, the ethics of greater good, we have to communicate to them that there are challenges there. So, hey, can, can, can I give, um, when Darlene's working on this, I, I want to give you uh, uh, some positioning here that I think you guys should use because I've spent you know 30 years talking to companies that have deficiencies, right? They're trying to close gaps. So, so two, two spins I would give you. Number one, it, it, it's not incompetence. It's a capabilities gap. <laughs> you you come, to, come to the customer and say, look, you've got a capabilities gap. And it's not brutal uh, honesty. It's intellectual honesty, right? You basically say, look, I just, I've got to be honest with you. I'm going to be candid here. And, you know, here, here, here's what's go, going on. So just if you land it that way, they might, you know, onboard it yeah. a little bit more. We'll stay away from the word incompetence. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Incompetence and brutal, right? Those, those, those things are tough. So anyway, but I think if you massage that, I think obviously that's the right thing to do there. So that's good. So there's there's another situation, right? Yeah. The the, the number five here that we're, we're hearing about is the question, that, and this comes up in the renewal cycle, which is organizations now have a lot of techno, technological capability to look at who's using their technology. What kind of consumption are they getting? And the, the question is becoming if organizations can see that 
they're not, uh, if customers not using their tech technology, they're not logging in, they're not even using it, but they're automatically being renewed. What do we do in that situation? Mm -hmm. So an interesting article came out not too long ago about Microsoft and Microsoft, you know, they're making money hand over fist. So they, they, but they took initiative to look at one of their areas of uh, operations, and it was specifically for a, a game pass. And they were looking and started noticing that there were situations where automatic renewals were happening, and the people may or may not have known about it, but they weren't using the technology offering. So what Microsoft is doing is they're going in and they're, they're deleting or they're stopping the subscription so that they're not spending money on something that they're not getting value from. And I think that that's going to do really well uh, in the industry. And, and, you know, a company the size of Microsoft still can get a lot of additional value and praise from the, the ethics of, you know, the greater good. Because that's really what they've done is they've looked at mm -hmm. the ethics of the greater good. Even though they're making money on a renewal that nobody's using, that's more of an ethics of duty. But then you have to call into question the ethics of virtue is what I'm doing ethically sound and correct. So I, I applaud Microsoft for, for turning those subscriptions off and declining those renewals. And I think the organizations, you know, they're gonna have to stop and look at that themselves. Do you have customers that are being automatically renewed, whether by human or by technology, but they're not using your technology? Um, and if they're not getting value from you, is that the right thing to do for the customer? And then that's that ethics of the greater good that we're calling into question. Well, you know, wow. I mean, this scenario here, I mean, I hope you realize how earth shattering it is for technology business models in general, because if we walk through this, it starts with shelfware, right? So back in the day, we would sell a lot of technology, hardware or software, that sometimes the customer didn't need all of it, but they bought it, they owned it, right? So, it, it, oh well, right? So, hey, I, if I can pound a lot of extra you know, licenses and modules and everything in there and you don't use them over the next whatever, you know, three or five years, not my problem, right? And so that was a model that quite frankly made a lot of tech companies, you know, very profitable. Then we start to move to this subscription model. And as you know, we've been saying for years, hey, when you go to that model, customers are not gonna pay for what they're not using. And so a lot of customers, you know, they realize, hey, my subscription is up, I'm not really using this, I'm gonna cancel it. And now you're saying there's yet one more click over where, where tech companies are, you know, you know, ethical here. And they say, look, we've noticed you're not using it and we're gonna turn this off. We're gonna make sure there is no concept of shelfware, or, you know, un unused capacity, which I agree with you, I applaud Microsoft. For doing that, I think that's you know the right way to go uh, for all tech companies if they want to be considered strategic and trustworthy you know vendors. But man, what you just said is such a long way from where we started, is. you know, 40, 50 years ago. It's amazing, but but it's the right way to go. I mean, it's absolutely the right way to go. So it's, I'm, I'm so glad you put that one on the table. It's definitely one that you know when you look at customers for life, that's the kind of company you want to do business with that has the customer's interest and heart, and they're. That, it's just a great model. So I, like you just said, I, I definitely applaud Microsoft for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you, uh, you, you, you shone a light on that one. So, so one more question here. Okay. So, so everyone has had uh, that experience in their life when you're dealing with the, the slimy sales rep, <laughs> you know, that person who wants to sell you something, yeah. whether, whether it benefits you or not. Right. It's, it's just, they are morally rudderless, right? The opposite of everything you've been talking about here today. Um, but, but, I mean, we all have worked with sales reps that are extremely strategic 
and always have the best interests of their customers in mind. There's no doubt that the, 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 there are many account executives out there. That is their profile. And so, you know, what I'm really interested in your perspective as more customer success managers are given commercial responsibilities, how do they stay strategic and not become slimy? <laughs> Uh, that's a great question, Thomas. I like I like that word slimy. Um, so that, you know that's exactly why we're writing about this research and customer success. You know because customer success has worked so hard to get that title as trusted advisor. Nowhere at any time does customer success want to be known as the slimy trusted advisor. So you know th it, this is a title, it's a place, and it's a position that they've worked really hard to develop and really work towards creating customers for life. And that's the key word: customers for life. So this type of action really takes executives at the top, creating a customer-centric environment. Remember earlier I was talking about, you know, there's a sales-centric environment, a customer experience environment, and a product-led uh, environment. And if we're going to really be focused on customer-centric, uh, it takes it takes a lot of focus, right? So Steve Frost always says in one of our practices, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a it's a it's a duck. And if it carries a quota, it's a salesperson. So that takes us to the compensation part. You know, customer success managers would have to be really careful as they align to these charters, adoption, expansion, and retention, that those compensation models are not designed to really just focus on the sales aspect. Because if so, then the customers are gonna sniff that out very quickly and realize yep, you're just trying absolutely. to sell me something. And then uh, and, and that example, Thomas, that you were using about the automobile situation, that's exactly right. Uh, and customers will pick that up on customer success managers. So making sure that the compensation packages are really designed to drive adoption, because if adoption is done well, then renewals and expansion happen automatically. If adoption's done poorly, then that that's called churn. That just is gonna lead to churn. So if customer success leaders are designing this correctly, they're gonna keep that compensation model in check to make sure it's focused on motions of adoption. And where customer success managers see that that's not happening and they start to uh, detect that their customers are thinking that they're salespeople now, that's where they have to draw a line in the sand and go back up to their management and say, hey, look, you know, we need to rethink this because my status as trusted advisor may be in question here because I'm being pushed to sell, sell, sell and not drive adoption. So those are some of the things that we would recommend organizations take a close look at just to make sure that um, that trusted advisor status can stay in check. You know, Steve, it, as I listen to you, it reminds me of a story, uh, and this happened before you were on board at TSIA. It was early days in, in, in the concept of customer success, and I was working with a TSIA member, and they were reviewing their customer success strategy with me, and they were so proud. Hey, we're going to put these customer success managers in place, and they started to describe them, and, uh, and one of the things they, they were talking about was the compensation model, and it was basically a 60-40 model, right? 60% base, 40% variable. And, and then they described you know, what they were gonna be focused on, the responsibilities. And I said, hey, that's fantastic. You have a renewal manager in place. <laughs> that's what you have. You have not established a customer success, success manager. And they're completely focused on the commercials right, in that role. And, and that's okay, right? You can have that role, but don't think that's a customer success manager, right? That's a, it's a different compensation model different focus points. So I think that's great coaching, uh, you know, for, for the audience there in terms of, again, how do you put the scaffolding in place to make sure that your CS function can 
consistently be that trusted advisor. That's what this is. This is this is all about. That's exactly right, um, Thomas. And when yeah. when we were looking at this uh, in our comp study in 2019, the split was 86 14, 86 percent base, 14 uh, percent mm -hmm. variable bonus. And we didn't do another study in 2021 because of uh, because of COVID in 2020. Everything went mm -hmm. flat. But towards the middle of last year, we started hearing conversations changing when we would ask questions about uh, compensation, that 86-14 started getting a little wider and it was 80-20 mm -hmm. and then it was 70-30. Mm -hmm. And we're like, 70-30? So we're, we were seeing that. So we're like, yeah. okay, it's time to do this study again. So uh, as a result, we've got the uh, customer success and so we've tagged uh, tag team with Jack Johnson who leads the customer growth and renewal. And we've, we're combining his renewals with customer success. And we're gonna take a look at this in greater detail to see how the industry is behaving as a result of this 61% yeah. charters of expansion. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have a very strong opinion on this. I mean, I think CSMs, I think that's a 90-10, 80-20 model somewhere in there. I mean, I think when you start going 70-30, you know, 65-35, that you are now dangerously drifting into a sales model. And again, that is not the leverage you're trying to, to get here. Exactly. Um, the, you know, so, so the, yeah, I'll be very anxious to see uh, the results of the, the latest study when those when, when those roll out. Uh, well, I'm going to be respectful of your time. Uh, you know, Stephen, thank you uh, so much for joining us, for writing this ins insightful blog, uh, sharing your, you know, you really do have a unique perspective, you know, on this topic of, of ethical uh, dilemmas, uh, you know, that comes from your military background. And, and by the way, thank you so much for, you know, your service to our country. And as always, I want to, uh, I'd like to end these episodes with the big question of the day. And so I'm going to ask all of our listeners, look at your company policies. Are they positioning your customer success managers to be strategic or slimy? Cheers.